Welcome to IT Visionaries, created by The Mission, your number one source for accelerated learning. The writing's on the wall. More and more businesses are racing to develop products and services that can be subscribed to. Why? For the practical reasons that Wall Street and investors love the predictability of subscription revenue, but also for a larger reason, because subscription offerings give you the certainty and resources to allow you to serve your customers and clients in a whole new way. Subscriptions are slowly ruling everything around us in IT. And in today's episode, we sit down with a CIO who is better positioned than anyone else to watch the subscription transformation happen. Today's guest is Alvina Antar, the CIO of Zora, a recently IPO'd subscription creation design and management platform that serves some of the biggest enterprises in the world. In this episode, we discuss her background and journey on the road to becoming a CIO, the challenges CIOs face as we transition to the subscription economy, the changing role of IT, and how CIOs can become more visionary. IT Visionaries is brought to you by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce. The Lightning Platform is a leading cloud platform that makes building AI-powered apps faster and easier. With Salesforce, now everyone is empowered to build apps for their organization. Learn more at salesforce.com slash buildapps. Alvina, so happy to have you on IT Visionaries. This is really exciting. We obviously had a good podcast chat with Teen on the Mission Daily, and now having you to talk subscription economy and all things what it means to be a CIO. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. All right, let's start with kind of a simple opening question of share a little bit about your background and what road got you to this point as CIO Azor. Well, I'm not sure how far back you want to go, but I originally wanted to be a math professor, wanted to follow in my father's footsteps. He's a geologist and taught geology at the universities in Iraq, where I'm originally from. And he urged me to look at other fields as I was wanting to pursue education. And so I was looking around and came across computer science with heavy math influence. And so I figured I'd give it a try. My first year in, it was interesting but not what I had thought that I had signed up for. But my father said, you know, just stick with it. I mean, see what it's all about. And then I just started being really passionate about programming and realized that, yeah, I mean, I had a true passion. And so I followed and completed computer science and ended up at Dell. My first gig out of college, spent 17 solid years right out of college with Dell. And I joined there because I was inspired by Michael Dell's build-to-order model. Right, yeah. centered around the customer. Yeah, and I ultimately was wanting to join a company that I believed in their vision, and that's what kept me there for 17 solid years. Ended up leaving there after Dell announced their privatization, and I knew Zora and Antine as a customer. I purchased Zora three years prior to leaving for their software division as an onboarding platform for M&A, as Dell was a big Oracle shop and didn't really have an innovative solution to be able to onboard recurring revenue businesses. And Dell were acquiring companies left and right, companies that were software businesses or SaaS or anything as a service offerings and and really didn't have a recurring revenue business and solution to be able to onboard. And so that's when I learned about Zora and invested in it and implemented it and believed in Zora and the product as I saw it firsthand as a customer. And so after I left, I ended up joining Zora as their first CIO almost four years ago in August. 
That's amazing. So that's really interesting. How did it feel going from an established company to the startup lifestyle, and especially in a new role as like the first CIO? It was scary. I didn't know what I was signing up for. You know, I knew IT, right? I mean, I've lived and breathed IT my entire career. And so I was confident in understanding the task at hand. But, you know, I was surrounded while I was at Dell with a ton of research. I mean, I came from a hundred plus global team just as my directs. And so it was a big change to move from that to a team of three and really defining what IT should mean for a thriving subscription business. And so when I first joined, I realized that it wasn't just establishing IT. It was beyond that. And that's what has been beyond thrilling since I've been here for the past four years because it's not a typical IT story, right? It's you're working for a company that has defined the subscription economy, that has defined this and that is enabling true transformation for companies. I saw it firsthand as a customer and now as an internal customer, I am ultimately able to define what the modern IT organization should look like for subscription companies. And so that positioning is an opportunity where I am able to truly establish relationships beyond what I had ever expected with my peers across the industry. That's remarkable. So talk about your scope of work as the CIO. How much product development are you involved in or like product refinement versus internal CIO priorities? Yeah, I mean, the reality is that is a critical component of my role. And at one of the prior events that I attended, I was talking about Subscribed and Teen's book. And I caveated that, you know, I'm not a salesperson. And the last thing I'm doing is trying to sell Zora. And one of my friends, the CIO of HP Enterprise, mentioned that she was told that all CIOs are salespeople, whether you know it or not. And the reality is we're not selling. The relationships are true. The relationships are genuine. The feedback in understanding and developing deep expertise in your product is extremely powerful because your peers know that they trust you. You know, they know that you're a credible reference. They know that they can come to you and ask you feedback, you know, the design principles, challenges that you faced internally with your own implementation, and they know that they'll get an honest answer, right? And so those relationships are the things that I invest in. Is that my full day job? No, I definitely have a business to run. I consider what I call IT as business technology in the organization as a business. And yes, I have a business to run, but part of that business is also sharing my challenges, my experiences, not only with customers and prospects, but also with our product and engineering organization on what I expect from the product. It's really interesting, and you sit at a critical intersection where you can see across a ton of different organizations and find out about trends and use data and leverage that to inform other people. And you created this CIO exchange, the subscription CIO exchange. Talk to me about like what was the genesis for this and what was kind of the idea behind it? Yeah, I specifically call it subscription CIO exchange because I get invited to, and we all, all CIOs, get bombarded with exchanges and dinners and 
And we're not necessarily networking type of people. <laughs> you know, we're technologists that want to focus on technology and solving real problems, real business problems through innovative solutions, right? And the last thing we want to do is talk. But why I started this is because of the phone calls and the emails from my peers. You know, I came in as a first-time CIO. I didn't necessarily have this exhaustive network of CIOs that knew me and wanted to reach out. But because of Zora and how critical Zora is to the transformation of companies, I mean, it is sitting at the heart of your quote-to-cash architecture. It's not some point solution that you purchase because you have to and you let it run and it's, you know, like any other SaaS solution. This is a critical system that is integral to your entire revenue. And so that solution needs to be foolproof, right? And so building relationships with peers is critical because they're looking for guidance, right? Because a lot of my peers are either born subscription companies that have built homegrown solutions and are tired of investing yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars on homegrown solutions. Some are from companies like where I came from, like Dell, where they're big Oracle SAP shops and they've tried to support recurring revenue businesses using thousands and hundreds of thousands of SKUs and they've realized that doesn't work yeah. and that they need to think of innovative solutions and they want to learn from the smaller, more agile and nimble organizations on what the new quote-to-cash architecture looks like. And so those are companies that are pivoting. They're either pivoting their entire revenue or they're trying out a new product. Yeah. And testing it out. And they need the agility through solutions. And so I realized that, you know, initially I thought it'll just be a bunch of SaaS CIOs talking about challenges as a CIO of a SaaS company. But the reality is the network is touching every industry, touching every size company. And it's just a powerful discussion. And so the exchange, you know, the positioning is that there's no sales, there's no partners, there's no one involved beyond me and my peers. And I ask for either customers to share their business case. The last CIO exchange in San Francisco, I had one of our early customers share their business case that they presented to the board. And it wasn't a business case on purchasing Zora. It was a business case on the business transformation and the technologies that were required to enable that transformation, which is really informative, right? As we all, as technology leaders, we present to our CFO and our CEO business cases that justify the investment that we're looking to make. And so that information is gold, right? I mean, with this podcast, part of the thing that we've talked about is that this is a replacement for webinars, right? There's thousands and thousands of webinars that are out there and they're disparate and there's lots of other things that are going around with that. But if this can be a resource for CIOs and IT leaders to learn best practices and trends in IT, that's pretty valuable. And I think that there's just a lot of value in getting customer feedback and taking those things and talking about those challenges. And like to that point, I mean, what are some of the challenges that CIOs face? What are some of the things that you hear on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that are the challenges that are upfront that, you know, is the headache that they go home with at night? I think the main one that I think about first is, is there's a ton of legacy investment. And the reality is there's a lot of people and money that's gone into these investments. And so at what point do you cut the cord? And there are a lot of technology leaders that 
No, the reality is it's this balance of maintaining the systems that have to run your business while driving agility and innovation. And that is a huge challenge. And so it's having this inner confidence to take calculated risks and knowing that if you don't, it might be too late. And so that's why you're the CIO of the company, right? Is that you're expected to make the right decisions and have an in-depth understanding of your business growth strategy to ensure that the solutions are positioned to meet that growth strategy. I mean, if the business comes to you and has an idea to take a new product to market and your response is, which is why IT has such a bad reputation over years and years, is no. Actually, the answer is yes. And then the next question is, how long will it take? And that answer is six months at least. And even then, the CIO is uncomfortable with six months. I mean, that's wrong. Like, that's just unacceptable at this day and age. The reason why we're talking about transformation, transformation requires agility. We need to be able to support business agility because it's a mandate. It's no longer an ask. You know, the business mandates it. And so that is the challenge that we face, is that what I faced while I was at Dell is IT was either going to solve this problem or the business was going to work around IT. I mean, it was one or the other. It wasn't that the business was just going to wait for six or nine months or longer for IT to figure out how to meet the needs of the business, but it was, I will find a different way. That's a great insight. What is the competition to whatever thing? They're already using it, whether it's an Excel spreadsheet or whether it's, you know, whatever that thing is, there's some workaround that the field is already using. Like they're working around the problem right now. And that is inherently inefficient. Like there's waste in that being used. And it kind of reminds me of the idea of when to cut the cord reminds me of the adage of, you know, what happens if we train employees and they leave? And it's like, well, what happens if we don't train them and they stay sort of a thing, right? It's like, what happens if we don't cut the cord? Well, if we keep with the legacy system, how many case studies are there where companies are not slow enough to adapt versus the ones that are like, oh, we were too fast all the time? Not as many of failures that way. Right. Yeah. I mean, and so the reality is for companies that are looking to pivot, they are looking to their IT organization to provide them answers, right? And so the technology leaders are required to understand what are the new solutions that enable this shift. And they can't just get comfortable in these systems that they've bet on for years and years and years. They need to understand what is required to drive the change that the business is mandating, right? Yeah, what are some other challenges that CIOs face? You know, and it could be the changing role of IT or it could be other challenges with the rise of the subscription economy. I mentioned agility. I mentioned the need to architect your solutions that enable that agility. And one of the challenges is a lot of the growth that we're seeing is actually not through organic growth. A lot of the growth is actually through acquisitions. And what a lot of my peers are facing is duplicate systems. It's acquisitions come in and there's a duplication from your CRM solution to your billing, to your revenue, to your ERP for that matter. And the lack of agility and speed to be able to consolidate and come up with an onboarding platform for acquisitions is something that I see you know, a lot of. And the reason why I think it's so important is it's a difficult problem, right? I mean, you have to pick the solution, the onboarding platform. I called it an acquisition onboarding platform. If you don't have an onboarding platform and you continue to maintain your businesses on disparate systems, then you're unable to cross-sell and upsell across business lines. Yeah. 
And if you do somehow manage to make it work through duplicate systems, the experience with the customer is extremely poor because you can't hide the fact that, unfortunately, no matter how good you are at technology, if your systems are duplicated, which is the case for a lot of companies that deal with numerous acquisitions, the experience is that your quote, your invoice ends up being duplicated to your customer, right? And so that experience is broken. And there's a lack of the ability for you to actually meet your business case. I mean, ultimately, the business put together a business case on what that acquisition meant in terms of being able to cross-sell and upsell. And if you continue to maintain your salespeople that you've acquired, continuing to sell the product that they, that pre-acquisition, well, then you're not really achieving your true business case, right? And so... That's an area that I feel that, you know, I talk about a 90-day acquisition plan. I mean, it's aggressive, but reality is you really should plan to integrate your core systems in 90 days or less. That should be the goal for any technology leader as we're dealing with acquisitions. What do you think the timeline is now that people are using? I mean, do you think people are putting a mark on the wall and saying, hey, this is one it needs to be done by? It would be a really interesting question to ask, but I would love to understand that because the reality is, The 90 days is an aggressive goal, and I think it's achievable if you truly define that as part of the acquisition strategy. But the reality is what happens is due diligence occurs, the acquisition occurs, and then the business says, I can't afford any distraction in my business. I need to meet my business revenue quarter after quarter, and integration of acquisitions will distract my business. And you know, at some point, you have to pay the cost of consolidation and realize the business value in that consolidation and ensure that you actually have solutions that enable that consolidation. And so the majority of the time, the reason why businesses are stuck on disparate systems is because their architecture is legacy architecture that doesn't allow them to acquire and integrate. And so they're in the lack of agility. Okay, so do you have a good example of how one of those M&As, how you kind of looked at that? I do. I mean, actually, my last couple of years while at Dell, I ran mergers and acquisitions in IT at Dell, partnering with corporate strategy. And so that is an area that I definitely have a huge interest and and a ton of experience in acquiring and integrating acquisitions and ended up writing a playbook, an M&A IT playbook, supporting what best practices were required to truly integrate an acquisition. And one of our acquisitions at Zora, one of our recent acquisitions was an acquisition of Leo, which is now our RevPro product line for revenue recognition. And so coming in here after all the experience of integrating numerous acquisitions while at Dell, you know, I put a stake in the ground and indicated that in 90 days I wanted to integrate the acquisition and actually wrote an article that's published in Forbes on here's why you have only 90 days to integrate an acquisition. Oh, that's great. We'll link that up in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, the integration is not only important for all the things that we've already talked about, but it's also important for the culture of the organization and to ensure that you're actually investing in the talent that you're acquiring, not just the product as a product tuck-in, but in the actual IP with the expertise of the acquisition that you're acquiring. Yeah, and I mean, it's an awkward and confusing time a lot of times for the team that got acquired anyways. So if you can, the actual technology application has definitely got to be a very critical component of that. Definitely. So as a CIO who sells to other CIOs, or whose company sells to other CIOs, 
Are there challenges with that? Like, how do you look at challenges in conversation, in implementation? I feel like that's kind of unique, right? It is. I see it as being positioned as the voice of the customer. And it's an exciting opportunity to really take the challenge on building expertise in your product. I mean, you can't ultimately be the voice of your customer unless you establish deep expertise in the product that you sell. That's the number one rule of sales. I mean, the number one rule of sales is not to be an expert at sales, it's to be an expert at whatever problem you're solving. Exactly, right? And so if you have deep expertise in the product that you sell, and not only the product that you sell, but the implementation of that product, especially in an environment where the implementation is integral to your business strategy, like Sora and RevPro are to organizations that are driving transformation. Those two elements are very unique, right? It's the product expertise and understanding what the product does and what the product can do and how it integrates with the rest of your ecosystem. And then the implementation experience of the best practices and design principles on what the architecture and what the implementation should look like, right? And the complexity that may seem, you know, overly complicated, but when you talk to a peer and you talk about, you know, implementation experiences, it then becomes real, right? It becomes an interesting conversation, right? And you're sharing notes. I'm not just sharing the experience that I've had at Zora while implementing Zora at Zora, but I've also shared the experiences that I've had while implementing Zora at Dell. I've shared my experiences understanding the implementation of all the other companies that I've been engaged with, right? And so those experiences are things that the trusted network of subscription CIOs in the community are wanting to learn from and engage in, you know, so that we can all collectively grow and thrive. Yeah, I think it's a really salient point because I, I don't offhand know what the average CIO life cycle is. I know for CMOs, it's like a year and a half, it's like 18 months, right? So if you're going to be less than five years, yeah, it's probably less than five years, right? So if you're saying like, hey, we're going to go on an implementation is going to take a year, potentially 20 to 25% of the entire time that they're going to be at the company. You're talking about number one, the future of their career and their organization, but like time is ticking, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that understanding not only what the product does, but also how the implementation affects that company in life is ridiculously important. Right. And it is. And what I've found is that no matter how many times you've been a CIO, like there are numerous CIOs that are, you know, this is their 10th CIO position yeah. in, in organizations. The reality is the experience is different. The challenges are unique. And so the conversations that I have, whether it's a first-time CIO that wants to learn what my experience was you know, four years ago as a first-time CIO and the challenges that you're facing when you're trying to build an organization from ground up and educating a growing and thriving business on what IT is and should be, right? Those are different conversations than conversations with longtime CIOs who have a ton of experience with legacy architecture and are really wanting to understand new innovative solutions and um, the new way that technology leaders are shaping the business, right? And so this is why I'm most excited about CIOs because, I mean, for the longest time, it's been uncool to be part of IT. And for the longest time, there's numerous people in my years of experience that have tried to pull me out of IT, pull me into the business side, right? Take me out of the dark side. 
But, you know, I love IT and I have a passion for technology and enabling the business through technology. And the time is better than ever for technology leaders to step up, take these risks, help enable the change and success that your business expects from you and truly drive transformation as a business. You know, we've talked for years and years about IT being, you know, the service provider, yeah. you know, and moving from service provider to change agent, you know, and I mean, those conversations are gone. Like now IT is a differentiator. Like without a true technology leader that understands technology and that is positioned to differentiate your business, I mean, good luck. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's a competitive advantage. It's your competitive advantage. Something that's an interesting trend that I'm curious about your thoughts is that it seems like a lot of companies, before they IPO, they bring on a CIO. And it's kind of like they're building the leadership team, and this is the team that we're going to kind of, quote unquote, go to war with, right? And your thoughts on this are that that might be a mistake. Tell me why you think that is. Well, I mean, we were just talking about the technology leader being the differentiator, right? And differentiating the business, right? And enabling these growth strategies and bringing in a CIO late in the game just to be able to ensure that you've got the proper corporate security and risks and controls prior to exit is late. I mean, obviously better late than never, but it's late in the game, right? The time is well past Every CEO of a thriving company should be ensuring that they will have the right technology expertise in-house, just as much as they have a technology leader focused on their product, that they have the right technology expertise in-house to ensure that they're able to meet their growth strategies. It's a classic adage that if you want to be a big company, you need to act like a big company. And from the very onset, I think that that's an astute observation. And I would say that a theory... I have for that is that it's a pretty big jump to go from being a CIO to a CIO where you have one direct report or potentially zero direct reports early on. I mean, you came on and you had two, right? You had a team of three people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that that's kind of a tough thing to ask, but if you think about, hey, we're going to build this team from scratch. I mean, potentially that's one of the reasons like you built your team, right? That's like that's an advantageous place to be, but it also allows you to not just build the team, but influence all of the infrastructure decisions that you make for the foreseeable future. And what you're kind of saying is if you just inherit a bunch of people's work and then clean house and rebuild, that's time intensive, it's labor intensive and it's just not a good strategy. Right. And the reality is it's not that these companies don't have IT. They don't have strategic leaders. Call them a CIO, call them whatever you want. Yes. Right? They don't have a strategic visionary. The CIO, the leader, needs to be a visionary just as much as the product leader needs to be a visionary and the marketing leader needs to be a visionary. I mean, technology requires vision, a strategic vision at that to ensure that the business processes and the architecture is positioned to meet that vision, right? And so if you have someone that's just focusing on the infrastructure and the network for your global offices, that's a beautiful thing, right? But that's table stakes. That's not differentiation. I love that. That was great. All right, are you ready for the lightning round? I'm scared. Okay, so the lightning round. These are fast and easy questions. Lightning round is brought to you by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce. 
fast and easy, right? All right, number one, what app are you using on your phone that is the most fun? Slack. Oh, most fun. That's pretty good. It's great. We go crazy on our Slack channel. We're also in media, so we have lots of craziness. What is your favorite time-saving tool? Evernote. Oh, yeah. I'm able to find anything, my thoughts, at my fingertips. Do you use like the speech text, just press the button and yeah. share your thoughts? Yeah. Are you using any cool chat bots? No. All right. Favorite team, sports or otherwise? Houston Rockets. All right. Got a, a lot of trouble here being in the Bay. Like Warriors <laughs> fans. I'm from Texas. Favorite podcast or audiobook? I can't say yours. No, it's all right. <laughs> I mean, I'll take it. Favorite recent book? You Aren't Ruining Your Kids Ooh, by Sheila Jordan. That's a good one. That's a new one. I don't know that one. We'll have to put it on the queue. Favorite content or show or miniseries that you're watching? I do not watch TV. Gosh, we get that way more than you think. A lot of senior leaders not watching the tube. That's great. Favorite one-day getaway in the Bay Area? Tahoe. That was the best. Napa? I can't decide. What technology are you most excited about in the next 10 years? Crypto. Are you doing anything with crypto right now? Not at this time. All right. What is your advice for a first-time CIO? Be fearless. I love it. That's it. That's the lightning round. Final thoughts here? I really enjoy this conversation, and I'm excited to see some of your speakers in the IT podcast. And just bringing the voice of technology leaders to the podcast world is exciting. Yeah, it's a blast so far, and we have some good ones lined up. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you again to our friends at Salesforce. IT Visionaries is brought to you by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce, a leading cloud platform that makes building AI-powered apps faster and easier. With Salesforce, now everyone can build apps for their organization. Learn more at salesforce.com slash buildapps.